All right, welcome in Cube Show podcast, college football podcast, usually coming to you on Sundays. Here we are again. Another emergency pod, a another podcast that we have to do based on breaking news, and that is now that Kalen DeBoer is going to be named the Alabama head football coach. Washington coach that, um, if you listen, go back, what we said when Coach Saban left here on this show, if you've listened to McElroy and I in the morning on WJOX in Birmingham, 7 to 10 a.m. weekdays, we said from the beginning that Norvell was real. DeBoer was the leader in the clubhouse. Sark would be vetted. Probably be difficult to make it happen. Landing was too expensive. You weren't going to put up $40 million, $20 million, $30 million, whatever it was, to just talk to a guy. Lane wasn't going to happen. Dabo wasn't going to happen. We told you those. And so here we are now with Kalen DeBoer, a guy whose resume should speak for itself. But I know a lot of people may look at this and say, oh, he hasn't recruited in the South or hasn't coached in the South. That's fine. Um, the guy is an absolute grinder. You listen to the way his players talk about him, which I think is the most important part. Um, I tweeted out an interview that we did on McElroy and Cubic in the morning with him. Uh, I'm going to find the one with Jake Hayner, his former quarterback at Fresno State. I'll tweet that one out. Jake raves about Kalen DeBoer, said he's responsible for him as a player, as a man, pushed him to become a different player. Mike Pinnock said the same thing. Pinnock told us, uh, I've got my notes actually from the Alamo Bowl that's up here. And, and Penix talked about some of the things that uh, Kalen DeBoer had helped him with and helped him as a player, said, um, I didn't feel like I was growing as a player uh, while I was at Indiana the last year. Um, Kalen DeBoer, a wizard. I feel like I'm playing Madden with him and Ryan Grubb while they're working with me. No coach in the country outworks him. Uh, lets me be free, helps me play more free. Um, I do think going to that, bringing Ryan Grubb is, could be massive. Uh, there is another offensive coordinator in the SEC that's really good, by the way, that a lot of you don't know much about, that if he could not get Ryan Grubb and somehow Ryan Grubb became the head coach at Washington, which I think he'll get a look, um, I have a feeling that Kalen DeBoer would make that his first call, and I think he could get him. We'll get into that if and when that comes up and that becomes a possibility. But if he brings Ryan Grubb, Ryan Grubb is phenomenal. And these guys as a duo give you every single look, every single formation, every motion, every shift, every trade, all the personnel groupings. And it's not just throwing the football around. I know people look at Penix this year, but that was because of the group of receivers that they had. Look at Jack West over the tight end and how they used him. Um, also go look at some of his previous stops. And I mean, a guy named Marcus McGoyan. At Fresno, threw for 3,629 yards, 25 touchdowns, five picks. I mean, look at Hayner's 2021 at Fresno State, 67%, 4,096 yards, 33 and nine. Completely ridiculous. Um, and then you say, well, you know, don't run the ball. Not really a, a group that I look at and say, oh, can they be ground and pound? Well, their offensive line won the Joe Moore Award this year as the nation's best offensive line. And physicality was a massive part of that because I have a vote on it. One vote. I don't control who wins, as uh, some certain Georgia fans would try to tell you. But uh, they impressed all the offensive line coaches in college football that vote on it and a lot of other people that played the position and coached the position that vote on it, and that's why they got it. Um, you could go back to his time at Eastern Michigan, had a 1,000 rusher in 2015, ran for over 2,000 yards as a team in 2016, had a 1,000 rusher this year in Dylan Johnson, Mississippi State transfer. Um, had over 1,900 yards rushing as a team last year at Washington, had an 800-yard rusher in 2019 at Indiana, uh, 
Ramsey and Penix, by the way, his last year at Indiana, uh, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions they combined for. So, I mean, the numbers are there. And they're going to be able to move the football. They're going to find ways to do that. I think they can find ways to use different talent sets and different sets of skills to run their offense around. It's one thing that I love about Grubb, and I think Kalen's very similar. And Jay Kaner kind of kind of helped me with this as well. They had a, a kid named Ronnie Rivers at Fresno, downhill runner, physical runner, like battering ram. And you know, Jake was fine handing the ball off. He says it all depends on the looks that we get. And so they are going to go with what they have. So whatever the strengths of that offense are that are on that roster, that's what they're going to feature. And that's what they're going to utilize. If they have multiple tight ends, they'll play them. They'll use them. And they'll formation you that way. Um, Had an interesting conversation also with Kalen before the Sugar Bowl, just kind of asking him about how he wanted the tempo of that game to go. And you know, he he, reiter- he reiterated to me that we can go tempo, we can go fast. I don't know if we want this game to go fast. We'll probably try to slow it down a little bit, but if we need to play ground and pound, we will. It's all about the team with him, and that's what I love about him, and that's what I think is fantastic. Um, I asked him also in that interview, I said, you know, your team feels like it has this it factor. Um, oftentimes, we'll see that with certain teams in college football. You guys have seen a lot of them just like I have where it's like, man – whether it was TCU two years ago, Washington this past year, 2013 Auburn, there are those teams that just find a way. They just figure it out. I said, if you had to try to put some your finger on it for this team, what would it be? How, how would you describe that? And he said confidence. And he said the reason is we talk about it. We stress it. In the offseason, we meet about confidence. During the season, we talk about confidence. During practice with certain plays, how they're executed, why we run them, conceptually why things are being run, it builds the player's confidence. It helps their confidence. And he said, I think when the lights are shining the brightest, our teams are confident. And they know that they're going to be able to go out there and be successful. Um, Also, just kind of sidebar, he's one of the greatest guys you'll speak to. He's just an awesome human being. He loves football, diehard football fan. At the Alamo Bowl two years ago, I sat next to him at the luncheon, and I had met him briefly, but we talked that entire time, and I think we stuck around for about an extra 10, 15 minutes and talked some more, and he told me a cool story about how when he was growing up that – because you know, obviously I told him I played at Auburn. I work for SEC Network normally, but I'm excited to do your game. Watched you guys at Fresno. I'll tell you a Fresno story here in a minute. Um but I have been following you and obviously, you know, know about Indiana. And I talked to, I talked to Kane Womack who coached with him in Indiana. He's like, man, the, the guy just does not, no one's going to outwork him. He's relentless, but he doesn't come across with the same demeanor as a Nick Saban or a couple of other guys who are relentless in that way. So some people don't really think he has that. I believe that he does. And he was telling me how he goes, man, I remember, you know, watching Alabama games coached by Bear Bryant with my dad. And it was, it was like some of the, some of my fondest memories of college football. So I think this is a job that's not just the Alabama job for him. I think it's one that means a lot to him. And listen, you a guy from the far Midwest, he's not going to have a dream job maybe in Tuscaloosa, but I think that he has a certain different respect for it for different reasons, which is one of the main probably key cognizance as to why he took it. Um, the staff will be important defensively. I'll tell you this. I think a lot of the staff there could be okay. Um, having Nick Saban still around, I think could help with that. Um, do I think T Rob deserves a shot at defensive coordinator? I do. Do I think T Rob leaves if he doesn't get it? I do. Um, and I think there are a couple of other guys defensively on that staff that could find a home and could stay and could be there. 
keep your eye on Scott Huff, offensive line coach. If Grubb comes and Huff comes, you've got really that that group together offensively that could be fantastic. Um, if if Ryan Grubb d- got the job at Washington and didn't come, uh, I wouldn't rule out Tommy Reese and find some hybrid offense to be able to run and put Kalen's brain with his and maybe figure that out. I think it's a bit of a long shot, but I wouldn't rule it out. Um, going back to what we mentioned with a, another coordinator earlier in this broadcast, and that's where I really think he would go. Um, but I've been able now to, when we delivered the Joe Moore Award, the Alamo Bowl last year, the Sugar Bowl this year, had him on the show a couple times. I feel like I've gotten to know him fairly well, and he's just he's an amazing human being. And hearing the way that his players talk about him, the love for each other in that facility, the respect for one another in that facility – his understanding of how to push guys, when to push guys, when to lean on guys, when to love on guys, the success he's had with transfers. Guys, you know, like I do, that that doesn't always work when you bring different guys into your facility. You have to have leadership and veterans that want to go out there and win and want to do things that the coach wants them to do. And he just has a way of getting that out of guys. I have a ton of respect for him. I have a ton of respect for his football IQ. I think he's going to be successful in Alabama, but you got to get away from the comps. All right, this is not the NFL draft. We don't need a comp to a head coach here, there, anywhere else. Do not compare this man to Nick Saban. There's not another Nick Saban walking through that door. Hate to steal the line from Hunter Johnson there, but it's not. No one else is going to do what Nick Saban did. Not next year, not the next five years. Never, ever again will we get 16 straight 10-win seasons. Never, ever will we get six national championships at a school. Where we're headed in college football That shit's about to be way too hard to be able to pull that off. But I do think Kalen DeBoer can be a consistent winner. I think he can do it in different ways. And I think he's a personality that Alabama fans are going to like. And I promised myself that I wouldn't use the word fit anymore. So if you're looking for me to go that direction with this, is it, is it not? I have sworn that word off because I have seen too many perfect fits in college football that flamed out or crashed and burned and just flat didn't work. Okay. Um, Gus Malzahn was a really good fit at Auburn. Ed Orgeron was the fit at LSU. Was there a better fit at LSU? Honestly, I, I, I don't, I don't think that there was. So we've seen multiple coaches at different places be the fit, the guy, and it just didn't work. So I've sworn that word off, not going to do it. And I just think that his football acumen, his determination, his drive, listen, the recruiting relationships, could that be a bit problematic? Sure. But if Nick Saban had any hand in this whatsoever, he's going to be on the phone making those calls to try to help him get a head start on that. He's going to be talking to guys on that roster and telling them, you're going to have a chance to win because it's what this guy's done. 105 and 12, 101 and 9 in non-COVID seasons. He's 80 and three after the first game that he has coached as a head coach at all of his stops. I stole that one from you, Bud Elliott. 2023 AP coach of the year. He's a Pac 12 champion last year. He's got a college football playoff win under his belt. He won 21 straight games last year. Three time NAIA champion at Sioux Falls as the head coach. 12 and two versus ranked opponents. Five and one overall as an underdog. 25 and three at Washington in the last two seasons. He's 72 and one at home. The only loss came during a COVID year. So he gave me a great quote when we had him last year. He said, success starts with service. And I think he understands that 
there you have to be of service to your players, to your staff, to the people around you. And whatever service you put into it is probably what you're going to get back out of it. So there's just a lot of reasons to like Kalen DeBoer. Um, I'll go back and give you that Fresno State story that I was going to reference a moment ago. So when McElroy and I started our radio show in Birmingham, we would come in, we would do the show, and then we would sit in our office and we would watch film. And we're looking for random offenses to study, different teams to study, different offensive lines to watch. And he's like, hey, I got a buddy that swears like Fresno's fun to watch. You guys need to put Fresno on. So we put Fresno on. Fall in love with Jay Kaner. Fall in love with Ronnie Rivers. The offensive line, just a bunch of future bar bouncers, like non-athletic, stiff as a board, but just beating the hell out of people and like guys you would love to play with. And not just the O-line, but the tight ends, the receivers, the backs, Hayner, all of them. And then started paying a little bit more attention to Kalen because, you know, he was coaching that football team. And when I saw the way those guys played and I saw the design of some of the things that they did and they weren't more talented, just a guy that has put a less talented team on the field. I'm not going to say more times than he hasn't, but a lot of times and found ways to win. That's what he does. He finds a way to win. And if he can keep the talent pipeline coming to Tuscaloosa in just a similar fashion, it doesn't have to be as dominant as coach Saban had it in a similar fashion. I think he can do more with less. And the fact that he's going to be able to do that offensively is going to be a massive advantage. So I, I, I think the recruiting part is interesting. Um, I don't buy this whole NIL thing that um, it's not a turnkey service for the next coach and it only worked because Saban was there. Well, guess who's still going to be there? And if Nick Saban sees that the NIL portion of this is dipping, he'll go talk to those people. Like I was, I didn't think Saban would want to be around. That was my opinion. That was what I thought. Now talking to Chris Lowe, talking to some other people around there, it looks like he's going to have an office in Bryant Denny stadium. And is he going to be there every day? No. Hell, go look at the pictures of his house in Florida, man. I wouldn't be there every day either. But he's also going to want to see that thing succeed. And even though he doesn't want to be hands-on, in my opinion, and he doesn't want to be the guy knocking on the door saying, why are you running that coverage? Why didn't you hand the ball off? Why is this kid playing? Why isn't that kid playing? One thing that I did think of from a Nick Saban perspective that I didn't put on the podcast that we just dropped when Saban retired was, I say, you guys have heard me say this all the time. Every coach needs an FU coach. And by the way, there's a couple in the SEC right now that are dealing with some things that you could do yourself a great service. Speaking of the service quote that I just gave you, success starts with service. You could do yourself a great service by finding an FU coach that could help you manage some of the things that you shouldn't be doing and maybe more things that you should be doing. Nonetheless, Nick Saban had an FU coach. We just didn't know it. And we didn't talk about it that way. Joe Pendry was that guy for Nick Saban. He was the man that he could lean on. He was the man that he could go to and ask questions and probably get some answers that he didn't want and probably tell him some things he didn't like hearing. But Nick Saban knew that Joe Pendry wasn't going to tell him those things unless it was for the betterment of the team. So he took that advice. I've talked to other staff members that work for Coach Saban that said, the guy texts us every morning. Do you have any ideas? What's on your mind? Give me what you're thinking. And not to get mad at him or not to test him. He just literally wanted ideas. So I think Nick Saban understands how to be assistance and how to help people in different things that he can do to be of service. And he can do that without getting in the way and being a problem. Is the expectation going to be out of control? You're damn right it is. It's Alabama. That's just it. I have lived through probation. 
I have lived through scholarship limitations. I was recruited during scholarship limitations to Alabama. I've lived through sub-500 seasons. I played in the first Iron Bowl in Bryant-Denny Stadium in over 100 years. Played in the last Iron Bowl in Birmingham. I got a feeling about how the things have gone in the past prior to these kids just getting their driver's license that have never seen Alabama lose less than 10 games or win less than 10 games in a season. I don't think it's got any chance to go back to that. I really don't. And part of this machine that Saban has built can run on cruise control to a certain extent. But now they have a guy that can come in and he can find a way to make it as successful in certain ways, certain departments, and I think find a different type of success that can satisfy that fan base. Just don't compare, don't contrast. It's not going to be what it was. It isn't, but it can still be pretty damn good because this guy's a hell of a coach. And I think he'll bring some great coaches with him. I think he'll bring some good players with him. Guys are going to hit the portal. So be it. You don't hire a coach for one recruiting class or one recruit. Not the portal, not high school, not any particular year. It doesn't work that way. Also on the hire, Greg Byrne knew what he was doing. Greg Byrne now multiple times has run a masterclass on a coaching search. The lack of leaks, the lack of knowledge, all of those things have been beyond impressive. And I tip my cap to Greg Byrne for that. Finally, I can say this with authority and I can say this with confidence. Halen DeBoer was one of the front runners for this job from the beginning. I personally think that Dan Lanning had real interest. But I also believe once they saw that price tag that was attached to Dan Lanning to even begin a negotiation, which, yes, 20 to the school, but then depending on who you talk to, 8, 10, 12 more to Nike for however that thing is structured, I believe Alabama Greg Byrne walked away. That's too much money in the NIL era that could be spent somewhere else for a guy that's been a head coach for two years. And I think Dan Lanning is incredible. I think he's amazing. But you can't enter some Hideki Matsuyama uh, or Hideo Nomo negotiation to bring a new head coach to your program in this day and age of college football. You just can't do it. Maybe Texas, maybe Texas A&M could do it. Maybe USC could do it, but not Alabama. That well can run dry. I know people don't like to hear that, but that's just the reality of where we are. So I think that this was Mike Norvell and Kalen DeBoer with a tiny bit of optimism with Steve Sarkeesian, most likely knowing that things are going pretty good at Texas and there's not going to be a reason he would leave for that job and that Texas would ante up and make things right and go ahead and get him paid. Sexton season in full effect. Norvell gets the extension. Sark gets the extension. Dan Lanning gets his motion picture. He gets his clicks and he gets his internet clout. And there you go. Kalen DeBoer ends up being the guy. But I think Kalen DeBoer was the front runner for this job from the beginning. I think Greg Byrne knew it. I think Greg Byrne wanted it. But Greg Byrne was also going to go and vet other candidates and see what else people had to say and what other people might look like as the Alabama head football coach. It is an A-plus hire for me. It is one that I think will be successful. It is one that I think will win. And it's one that I'm excited to have in the SEC to be able to cover on a daily, weekly basis, whether it's games, whether it's on the radio in Birmingham, whether it's on this podcast. You should be excited if you're an Alabama fan. And you should probably not be celebrating too much if you're a fan that loves to hate Alabama more than you love to love your own school because Kalen DeBoer is going to find success. So, again, I've talked to Jay Kaner about him. He said the dude's a machine. The dude's a badass. 
That's his guy. Michael Penix helped him be the football player that he is, loves him to death. Uh, I've talked to coaches, like I said, that have coached with him. Grubb loves him. Um, Kane Womack raved about just the football mind that he is and how great he is to be around. You don't hear from his other players that we covered that say as many positive things about him and not come to the realization that this guy's an excellent football coach and an awesome human being. So congrats to Alabama. Just a quick preview of what you're getting, how this thing went, the information that we have. We do have now an even more interesting interview coming up Sunday, and that will be former Mississippi State, now Washington quarterback Will Rogers, who probably has a decision to make as far as his future is concerned. But you're going to love hearing him talking football. You're going to love hearing about his past, just X's and O's, Mike Leach, what he went through at Mississippi State, Zach Arnett. It's an amazing interview, and it's still relevant, but obviously very different now with what we'll hear from Will Rogers. We're back Sunday with a normal edition. Always appreciate you guys tuning into Cube Show. Please go subscribe. We're trying to get to 10,000 here before we get to the next football season. Getting close. Josh Pate says we can't do it. So please help there. And also, please like, give us a good review if you can. Back with more on Sunday. Thanks for tuning into Cube Show. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but. Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.